severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello, I am Jamie McKinley and welcome to episode 30 of Just Get A Real Job. So, yeah, I can't say 30. I can't say it. There you go. Look, I can't say f. I can't. It's just, a, it's like a five thing, I think. Or I'm just an idiot. I don't know. But I've never been able to say f. I, I honestly, like, like, look, for example, three. I can't say it. So, welcome to episode 30. There you go. That's my best attempt of Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. And speaking of Fife, it's time to introduce today's guest. And on the podcast today for you, we have tailorer and costume maker, David Wood. And David actually got in touch with me a few weeks ago because he'd listened to Ellie's episode of the podcast, episode 21. And he's from Glen Office as well. I didn't know him before this, but so it was all, it's always great when I get a message from someone that's from the same town as me that's working in the arts. And uh, yeah, David said like he worked in costume and stuff, so I, I asked him to come on the podcast because obviously we try and get as many roles on the podcast as we can from the arts, and, and costume's an area I don't know a lot about. So it was great to get to speak to David and learn about costume, and I really enjoyed this conversation. It's a really good episode, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Before I get into today's episode, I just have a few things to, to say, as I always do in the intro. Yeah, firstly, I wanted to say that I'm very, very grateful to all the feedback we had on on last week's bonus episode with Christopher Lee Power. It was just such a, a moving conversation and it was just great to be part of it. And I'm particularly quite proud of that one. So if you haven't listened to that yet, make sure and go and check out that conversation with Christopher. As well as all our conversations. I mean, this is the 30th episode, so we've got quite a growing back catalogue now. So if you're a new listener, there's plenty of episodes to listen to. So make sure to check them out. Another thing was, it's actually been last week was six months since we launched the podcast, which is insane. Can't believe we've been doing this for six months. And I'm, I'm really, really grateful to everyone that's been supporting the podcast. And I'm really proud, actually, of what me and Elliot have been building here. I, I genuinely am like so chuffed with what we've been able to do so far. And I'm very, very excited where we can keep taking this project. Anyway, I'll stop rambling on in a second and let you guys listen to David's brilliant conversation about costume, because that's what you're really here for. You're not here for me, you're here to listen to the guest. But I just wanted to quickly share a very, very quick quote I really like, and I've got this quote on the wall, actually. I always have it. It's above my desk, and it's just it's an Andy Warhol quote, so yes, it's a little bit pretentious, but it's just art is what you can get away with. And I think, yeah, it's just a little nice little quote I quite like the sound of, so there you go. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed my very, very rambly intro today. I'm about to go live on uh, Joe Talks Pod, which I think on the day of this episode coming out will be available as a podcast, so I'll link that in the show notes. But I'm about to go live on that and talk about the Oscars, so this is a bit of a warm-up today. But anyway, I hope you enjoy today's conversation with David Wood, tailorer and costume maker. Hi David, it's lovely to meet you. Hi there, really nice to meet you. Obviously, I was saying to you just before we started the interview that we've not actually had anyone from Costume on the podcast yet, so I'm really happy 
to like finally have someone from costume to chat to. I've got lots of like things to ask you, so I'm excited for this conversation. I know I'm slightly nervous that I'm the first to represent costume as an industry, <laughs> but we'll give it our best. <laughs> and you know, it's also great that you not only do you represent costume, but you're also from Glen Office, which is the same town as me. So I was really happy when you got in touch to say that because it's great. You know, I love yeah. like getting to speak to people from my hometown, and it's great to see what you what you're doing and stuff. Yeah, as I said, I think it's just amazing that there's so many of us coming out of Glen Office, which is just a bit of a surprise, I think. I know. When you actually think about what it was like living and growing up in Glenrothes. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's great to see, like, you know, people flying the flag and stuff, which is amazing. But David, sort of, we always start the podcast. Our sort of first question we ask is, like, what are your sort of earliest creative memories? Do you remember, like, when you were young, like, being interested in costume or did that sort of come later? Well, the thing is, I never really thought that I did have an interest in costume like it wasn't really I wasn't really brought up like in a sewing environment like the most my mom ever did was make curtains on my granddad's old sewing machine yeah <laughs> I remember being sort of interested when she was on the machine and just being like oh what, what are you doing and she showed me how to hem curtains and th- stuff like that but it was never like oh make a top or whatever else so I kind of thought it had just come out of nowhere but then when I actually sat and thought about it for this there was actually more than what I thought because when I thought about it the first thing I remembered I had actually I think it was for a Mother's Day thing we had this big scrap of bag of scrap fabric in our cupboard which I don't know where we got it from it just lingered in the cupboard for years I think and one Mother's Day I don't know what age I was maybe seven or eight I just decided oh I'm going to make something for my mum for Mother's Day and I mean thinking back now I'd literally got the fabric and cut out a top shape and a skirt shape and I sell tapes it together so it was not it was not even like remotely wearable <laughs> but I was like no I'm gonna I'm gonna make an outfit for my mum and I remember she looked at it and was just like oh that's that's lovely David <laughs> yeah so I remember that and then there was other things like there was a Blue Peter competition and it was designing a costume for a it must have been a pantomime and I remember running away up to my seeing it and thought yeah I could do that and running away up to my room and I drew it out and sent it off I was a bit gutted and never <laughs> even got my Blue Peter badge right? but, um, <laughs> still better to this day so yeah the more and more I think about it there was a few influences of it but as I said it didn't stem from I think it more stemmed from going to theatre and enjoying performing rather than fashion or sewing or anything like that I mean I always drew because my dad was a painter so he always made me sit and draw and stuff like that so yeah sort of stemmed from a few places. No, that's interesting and like so you did a lot of theatre then growing up as well so that because I suppose when you are doing theatre at that sort of local level and like as a youngster everyone sort of get mucks in and does a bit of everything like you sort of all help with the sets you all help with the costumes sort of thing yeah completely I was in a drama group from primary three I think so mm. <laughs> it's always a big part of my life and as well as not being in the drama group but my mum was always taking me to see shows and stuff so it was quite a big part of my life and yeah when it came to putting on so it was just a local school mm drama group there was no money so I always remember we did the Wizard of Oz one year <laughs> I was playing the Tin Man and I think me and my mum had asked what could, what could we do to help sort of thing and the woman doing the costumes didn't have a clue what to do for the Tin Man so we're like okay we'll, we'll go away and think about it and my mum actually got in touch with my uncle who mm. owns like a steel fabrication company in Fife so went to his work after school one day and I remember it was probably like one of my first you know costume fittings and he had 
went and he got a sheet of metal and he was like trying to mold it over me and then he went <laughs> away and he reshaped it and put a, a neckline in and then sleeves in and stuff like that from it and then yeah I had this proper like tin shell body shell sort of thing so I think even just from things like that that's obviously stemmed an interest in how things fit. I know it's mm. so... It was this totally crude suit. It was nowhere near like a tailored garment or anything. Yeah. But yeah, it's obviously influenced something. But yeah, drama and theatre was always a big thing. I think my mum always bumps into my old nursery teacher and she says, oh, what's David getting up to? My mum explains and she's like, oh, I always knew David was going to be in theatre no matter what he did. So, um, <laughs> yeah, obviously, <laughs> screen yeah. theatre from the start. <laughs> do, you, do you, this is a hard question, but like, do you sort of remember the first like show you saw that like you went, wow, like the first performance you went to see? I think there's a couple. I remember like we always used to go across to Edinburgh and see all the big musicals that were coming in. And I think seeing, there was one that was, it was Top Hat, which I just loved the costumes and loved the the music and just the whole style of that and thought, wow, that's the production. And also The Lion King. I don't think anyone can look at that and think that the production design isn't just absolutely spectacular. And for a, for a wee boy from Glenrothes, it was just absolutely stunning. You had never seen anything like it before, mm-hmm. where people was actually, you know, actors and dancers was actually wearing puppets that was animals. So yeah, I think probably The Lion King was one of the biggest shows that I was like, wow, that that is amazing. But then I don't think you can go wrong with a bit of panto as well. Like <laughs> panto's always been like, wow, okay, <laughs> this is great and exciting. So <laughs> Yeah. There was always a lot of good pantomimes in Fife. I remember like touring around and stuff. I don't even remember a particular one, but I do remember going to see them every Christmas and going, this is really good. Yeah, mum always took me to see the one at the Adam Smith in Kirkcaldy. Yeah. Um, and of course, that was back when they actually produced it themselves. And mm-hmm. it was just so local. It was so, yeah, it was it was great. I loved it. It was really one good. of the first jobs I had as well. Um, oh, really? The panel. Amazing. This sort of segues us really nicely into sort of the next question I like to ask. And you sort of touched on being from Glen Office there and stuff, but like how has like being from Glen Office, how has that influenced like you as a creative and in your journey like does, does that come into your work much? It's hard to say obviously when I was growing up in Glenrothes I didn't think that there was much around for someone wanting to do costume but then it's obviously brought me to where I am so that it must have you know helped me creatively as I said I think one of the most important things was the drama group that was around in Glenrothes so yeah I was in a yeah. school one and then I went to Gamma Youth as well for one year I did it for one year um, <laughs> and then I think actually for me I was more more involved in the theatre and performing communities around Kirkcaldy. As I went to school in Kirkcaldy or high school in Kirkcaldy, it was that was sort of I don't know the way it went. And there is a, when you look at Fife and Glenrothes and Kirkcaldy, there is actually so much going on. Yeah. Um, just at local level, because when I was initially looking for work experience, I got in touch, as I said, with the Adam Smith Theatre. So basically, when I was at high school and says, "Oh, I want to do costume," the teachers didn't really know what to do because it's quite a niche job at the end of the day so my art teacher at the time was really really supportive and the guidance teachers as well but yeah my art teacher she was like I think you need to try and get work experience so I wrote to the Adam Smith Theatre local local theatre in Kirkcaldy mm-hmm. and I just wrote to the theatre manager and says look so if, if there's anything I can just get involved in even just to wander around backstage like I would love it and she says we don't actually because at that point as well I didn't know what the difference between like a receiving house and a producing house was yeah. so she was like 
we are a receiving house, so we don't actually have that much opportunity, but we do produce our local panto every year. I'll put you in touch with the, the designer. So I met with the designer, Lynn, Lynn Bies, and she was just asking, you know, how are you interested in costume and what you want to do? And she says, well, why don't you come and help us for a couple of weeks? And I went in and it was just amazing. Like my mind was just blown that this was actually a job and that I was making thistles and leek hats <laughs> and lobsters of foam for the for the dame and it was just yeah. i love the atmosphere as well because i don't know if you've ever been backstage at the adam smith but yeah, the I have the rooms yeah. Are tiny <laughs> and the costume team was right at the very bottom in one wee room or two wee rooms and everyone was running in and out and we had dresses everywhere like honestly it was crazy in the <laughs> amount of work that we actually did in this one wee room so yeah I loved the buzz of it and I think from that I just fell in love with working in theatre and backstage and costume but as well as that like there is loads going on in Kirkcaldy and Fife because one of my friends was actually involved with Fife Opera as well yeah and I had again wrote a letter to them and went along to one of the rehearsals and then started working on one of their shows and then they asked me back for another year so yeah there's a lot at local level that definitely definitely influenced the start of my career and allowed me to build up my cv before i was even at college which, which is amazing is mad. yeah yeah exactly and there was always one film that i am so annoyed that i never got on it was i don't know if you remember it but it was about they were making it about all the mining communities around Fife right. and it was very local film they were asking for volunteers and things like that and i'm still to this day gutted i never got, well, got what was the film it, yeah. what was it I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. Um, I did. I did see it on BBC Scotland, but I would have to have a remind mm. myself. What I'm. It was. I'm just interested because yeah. I, I know you're a few years older than me, David. So I might. I might. I don't actually recall that, but and probably was maybe too young to know what was happening with it. Well, I think I was in my sixth year when they were asking for the mm. volunteers on it. So yeah, it would have been. You might not have remembered it, but yeah, and it was purely out of my own lack of motivation to actually write an email or a letter and I, I'm still annoyed that I never got yeah. involved. But you mean you learn so, from these things and you know you'd ended up in an okay place I feel so like you know everything yeah. happens for a reason I guess. <laughs> we'll, we'll sort of go on to like years of education in a minute but before that this is one a fun question I always like especially since you like live in London now I imagine you still think fondly of Scotland and Scottish words and stuff but do you have a favourite word or phrase from where you're from? So the one thing I just love, and it winds everyone down here up, is um, juice. I don't know about uh, yes, yes. Juice to me. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> right, so, like, without going into the details, my ex-girlfriend was English, and she used to uh -huh. hate me saying this. I'd be like, "I'm having some juice." She's like, "No, you're having like a fizzy drink," and I'm like, "No, no, no, I'm having no, some juice." Exactly. Yeah, you're having. What I don't understand is there is clear classifications like. We Scots, we know exactly what type of juice we're having. Is it fizzy juice? Is it fresh juice? Is it diluting juice? Diluting juice seems to just blow steam out of every English person's <laughs> ear holes. But yeah, so I love it. But my two best friends from uni who I used to live with at uni, um, they mocked me so much about it that they used to call milk cow juice. I was like, this is, that's a step too far. Don't be ridiculous. But um, so, yeah. There's like certain rules of juice, like, you know, the milk juice, like they just don't get it, do they? <laughs> no, they don't. I was like, don't be so ridiculous. You can have diluting juice and fresh juice, but and fizzy juice, 
<laughs> cow juice? No, that's no. You're being ridiculous. <laughs> no, that I love that answer. That that's one of my favourite answers to that question, and it's so true. The English people just don't, they just don't understand juice. They don't get it. And every Scottish person, I remember as well when I first moved out to Bournemouth, my house page was like, "Could you just go?" I was going to the shops, and I was like, "Do you need anything?" She said, "Could you just get me a bottle of squash?" And I was like, uh, yeah, that's fine. And I remember phoning my dad when I was walking through Sainsbury's. I was like, does she mean diluting juice? <laughs> like, yes, that's amazing. Yes, that's amazing. Well, David, let's sort of move on to your time in college and university. So you went to study theatre costume interpretation, and that was, uh, it was then Telford College, but it's now Edinburgh College. So how did that sort of come about? <laughs> it came about because when I was in sixth year and I was looking to do costume design, there was only, there's two uni degree courses in Scotland, I think now three actually, that yeah. do costume design. So there was limited option and I did actually go away down to Nottingham for an interview as well. But yeah, I actually had my heart absolutely set on going to Edinburgh Art College and my whole life revolved around it. <laughs> I was going to portfolio classes across in Edinburgh every Saturday yeah. for about like two or three months. I got in touch with a student doing her master's, the master's costume course and I went across and I seen the team and I just had my absolute heart set on it and never even got an interview. Um, oh. after I had applied and worked my arse off, basically, to get in. And I was, abso- I was absolutely gutted. Of course, you are at that point when, like, your whole life is like, right, this is my future, I'm going here, and then life will carry on. And I remember as well, my mum, I had met mum after school, and she was like, oh, let's go to the shops. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Being broody and disappointed from my news that I hadn't told her. Yeah. And she, we went into a shop, and we were wandering through, and she took me to the back, and then... I looked up and there was like sewing machines in front of me and she was going to buy me my first sewing machine, obviously for, for uni and whatnot. And it was the same day that I got told I never got it. And I just, I was like, I just laughed. I was like, this is ridiculous. Um, and said to her, oh, I never got in. And she was like, right, let's just turn around to their loss. And that's how I've always seen it. I um, love that. So, and it is completely their loss because it's actually not getting on that course was the best thing that ever happened. Yeah. So I looked for other options. And at that point, I still wanted to stay in Scotland. So I seen this course. It was just through chance. No one had told me about it. And it was, as I said, it was the HND course at Edinburgh Telford. And I thought, right, well, I'll apply. Went for the interview. And they told me that I couldn't sew at the interview. And I thought, <laughs> oh, God's sake, like, this is it. Like, this is what I'm doing with my life, really. But the fact that I had got work experience before really had said a lot. So they were like, we could obviously tell that you want to do this. So they says, we'll give you an offer. And like, basically, they were said, over the summer, like, just go and sew, like, cushion covers, <laughs> like, straight lines, just sew, just do yeah. anything. So I did like a dressmaking class with a small sewing studio over the summer. And that was kind of the first time because as I said like making clothes was not part of my remit <laughs> so that, I learned a lot from that but yeah the course at Edinburgh was just phenomenal the two lectures on it they're amazing if not all that crazy and cookie but no they're amazing <laughs> lovely and yeah taught me so much and I think for me my <laughs> every day my mind was blown because it was a subject that for the first time yeah. someone was teaching me solely about you know there was bits and pieces of costume like I made a pair of shoes in high school but that was the extent of it whereas every day I was going and learning about costume and it was just yeah I absolutely loved it so I was taking everything that they said in as just like a sponge really but it was quite an intense two-year course I think 
because it was it was meant to be a three-year degree but they sort of chucked it into a two-year HND so there was so much but you learn everything from costume design to like surface decoration techniques to the actual technicalities of menswear and women's wear making and cutting history of fashion and costume as well yeah there was just and theatre yeah honestly I could go on and on about how much we learned but yeah so yeah intense two years but absolutely loved it that's amazing I love the thing you said about your mum saying like it's their loss and I think it's really good for listeners to hear stuff like that because we all have those rejections where you like feel like really down and I mean I personally have had like four rejections this week from different jobs and it's so easy to be like oh god like but I think by spinning it positively and going it's their loss I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and you make it into you know it is is their loss and I think when I'm sure we'll come on to but when I got my job first job at the RSC I was a bit like yeah screw you Edinburgh Art College like yeah (laughs) I've still made it you know what I mean so (laughs) yeah so I think it is and I just think you take experiences from what you get given and everything happens for a reason so yeah absolutely well your next course you went you go to university and you do costume and performance design and that's in Bournemouth so how how did that come about how did you end up moving down to Bournemouth Well, the thing was, I could have left straight after the HND. As I said, you learn so much, and people mm-hmm. do. But for me, I was still only because I was age. So I'm trying to work out my age. Um, Twenty, twenty-one. <laughs> yeah, around that age. Yeah, <laughs> getting a bit depressed that I can't figure out my age these days. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would, and I still wanted to, to go to uni and do the whole student life because I lived at home when I was at college, yeah. so I was just driving across to Edinburgh. So I wanted to go and get my degree. And I spoke to the lecturers, Anya and Liz, at Edinburgh, and they says, well, really, there's a couple of courses down south that you'll, you'll get more from than up here. As I said, there's still limited choices for degree um, choices in Scotland. So, yeah, the, I looked to Bournemouth because it was one of the best, or it was known to be one of the be- best courses um, for mm. costume. And for me, it just screamed like this is the place that I wanted to be because they yeah. put a lot of focus onto hands-on learning. So because the course is quite big there and they mix with the acting and the makeup course and the, there's a film, there's quite a big film school down in Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah, I've heard a lot about um, that. Yeah, so the costume degree program it works with all of them so not only did you have a studio theatre where you were designing and making theatre shows for it but then you had short films that people were designing for yeah, yeah external companies were working for it and that's that was what I wanted I wanted I had learned so much on the course the HND course that was like right I want a degree program where I can put it into practice yeah and a lot of places you were going for interviews and they were saying oh well we have this thing and we do a little program here and I was like no, I won full-on experience. So, yeah, went to Bournemouth. And as my everyone tells me, I couldn't have got further away from Yeah. <laughs> so I drove down in my wee I go um, with all my boxes and my mannequin in the side in the car. And, yeah, nine hours later, I was in Bournemouth. And, yeah, it was, ju- it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. From the get-go, you were doing live projects, building up your CV at the time, same time as studying. And Bournemouth as a little town is mm-hmm. is really lovely. Like the beach is absolutely stunning and there was always something going on. But yeah, Arts University of Bournemouth was absolutely a great place to be. Yeah, no, I've heard a lot of good things about that course, about the uni there and stuff. So, And I have heard yeah, it's a nice place. I think, because when I was there, it was still Arts University College Bournemouth so it had just got its full university status when I was there so Mm -hmm. I think it's like just growing and growing progressing up and up and up so it's great yeah it is good it is 
a good costume course when you go in into the industry and then the majority of people said yep yeah, i studied at bournemouth or like you come <laughs> into bournemouth you go everywhere so it's like yeah yeah, hello. <laughs> yeah that's telling as well so like you graduated from bournemouth then and you like you got like a, a job first before you went to the rsc didn't you yes um i had i had freelance work lined up before i had the the job at the rsc so one of my last uni projects was working with a company called Cirque du They were creating the, I think it was like the opening ceremony for Bristol being awarded European Green Capital. So they had got in touch, they had worked with the uni Bournemouth before, so they had got in touch and says, oh, we've got this project, um, do you want to get involved? So I was working with a designer called Sarah Dix and she had designed a costume and it was completely made out of plastic recyclable materials. And then underneath, it had a LED light system in it so that the lights shone through the plastic sort of thing. So that was one of my last projects, which was amazing to work on. And the thing was, it was for an aerialist. So she, when she was in performance, she was like walking up the side of a building and then she met this guy at the top who was on a bike on a trapeze and then she was swinging yay feet below on it so it was absolutely amazing it was like one of those moments you're like wow okay this is incredible what i've made and what has been a yeah. but from working with that little team sarah the designer then asked me to work with her on uh, a big show called Our Way Third Eighth, which was a performance celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Welsh Millennium Centre <laughs> um, in Cardiff. Yeah. And it was massive, massive. Um, it was all done in front of the, the building in Cardiff. And I think our section, which we were making the costumes for, was about 150 local community groups. And we were sort of doing like carnivalesque costumes that sort of d- represented different land types, like meadows and the sea and things like that. So yeah. it was huge like absolutely huge but yeah it's sort of just I think the one thing about costume and sort of just working for production companies like that is that one job always leads on to the other because I worked with Sarah and then she asked me on to our way third eighth which was with a company called Walk the Plank and then a couple of years down the line they rang me up so out of the blue and says we need a coat mate can you do it sort of thing so it's just it's all sort of connection based which I think is really interesting actually how it works but so that was kind of the first big thing that I had lined up after uni so I was very lucky that I had worked straight out of uni um, to go on to. And, and then from there you is that when you went to the RSC then? That, that you were there yeah, for like so five years. I had a, yeah, four, four or five years, yeah. Which was amazing. So <laughs> I had actually got the job when I was on work experience. I hadn't graduated and I went up for the two weeks work experience programme that they do. And it just so happened at the first week that I was on placement in the men's workroom, they were interviewing for the job. And at the end of the first week, my then, or what would have been my, my manager, was like, look, you've done well this week. Do you, do you want to be interviewed for the job? And I was like, um... <laughs> Yes, Royal Shakespeare Company. Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> so the the second week, they interviewed me. And then by the end of the, the two weeks, I knew that I had the job um, Amazing. To, go, to go into. So so yeah, it was good timing. I hate saying that it's luck. It was lucky that I was there at the right time. But luck implies I just got it. And mm. I did put in hard work before. <laughs> before. Yeah. So yeah, it was being in the right place at the right time. I, I loved it. I loved my time at the, the Royal Shakespeare Company. I was part of the men's costume department because they split it up quite specifically and yeah started as a junior costume year and it was amazing you're working with a team that's created costumes for so long they have their own way of doing things and just learning from them how they make 
you know, they're famous for their doublets and breeches. And just to be able to just even get that without throwing in, you know, all the other different types of costumes that they make and do. It was just, it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. So you were there for like the whole, like obviously the, a while. So like, were, what sort of things were you doing? There's like just in the theater, like like take the obviously like different types of Shakespeare shows. So I imagine like you had like quite a range of jobs to do in that time. So yeah, over the four years, you had every show coming in, and you were so. I mean, it was show to show reliant on what you were doing. So one minute you could have a full on Elizabethan production and making obviously all the, the doublets and breeches and ruffs, ruffs coming at your ears for that show. And then the next one could be modern. So then that could be more alterations for shop bought stuff or making a, a more modern suit. We had a whole season. <laughs> I still get PTSD for this. We had a whole <laughs> season of Roman shows. Mm. And by the end of the year, I was sick fed up of making togas. Like, <laughs> I do not want to make another toga. And when you tell people, they're like, oh, well, that's just bed sheets. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just best you you don't understand the trauma that goes into yeah. to us. so but the, the amazing thing about the RSC was obviously they had the most amazing designers coming in although you had Shakespeare going on in the main house you had or you can't call it the main house um, the Royal Shakespeare Theatre you had Shakespeare's contemporaries and other writers going on in the Swan Theatre they had just redone the studio theatre as well when I was there so you had all three theatres um, creating output of work and yeah it was just great as I said the array of designers that was coming in it was just great to work with and every designer brings in a different style of what they want and how they work as well so that always kept it interesting and you're getting to learn from them as well I imagine which is great yeah yeah a lot of designers I think just in general costume whether it's designers or makers or cutters they want to pass on their skill like they want to be able to say to the you know someone needs to take take the shears up um, when when they retire so um yeah. yeah everyone is so willing to pass on information and what they learn and i think for me as a maker coming from uni and straight into the rsc with the level of quality was so high it was amazing for me to learn because I had done my time well not done my time but I had worked on panto and low budget a few low budget things which was great and you learn how to cut corners and make things quickly and spray mount stuff and glue it together whereas then I was learning on how everything is hand sewn and just working with like expensive fabrics which they can actually afford and yeah just different things like that so yeah again you just you just learn so so much from it. Hello, it's Jamie and Elliot here. I hope you're enjoying today's episode of Just Get A Real Job. I just wanted to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, word of mouth is the best way for us to grow. So please, if you can, share us on social media, tell your friends and family to listen. You can also support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your help. So anything you can do to help us grow this project is very much appreciated. We do appreciate your support as always. And if you would like to contribute or donate to our podcast, we also have a Patreon page where you could donate as little or as much as you wish. You can access this by going to www patreon.com slash just get a real job so thank you very much again for all your support and you can also find a link to the patreon page in the show notes but anyway now back to today's show yeah def- definitely no that's really interesting well well david this takes us kind of up to where where you are now which i know you're not really allowed to talk about so all we can say is you're working on a big netflix and warner bros show which is really exciting so like how did that sort of come about going from the sort of theater to that it had came about <laughs> out of necessity really <laughs> um i had always knew it was a step that i wanted to take because what i love about 
just the performance industry is that every job is different every person you work with it's a different experience and yeah that's what I love and I knew that as much as I loved working at the Royal Shakespeare Company I wanted to move on at some point I wanted to learn different techniques and just get more experience really so I kind of in my head knew that I wanted to move to London and whether that was to become a freelancer in my own right or to do more film and tv work we'll, we'll figure that out later but I always said I didn't want to move to London without having a job to go to just because you know it's a big big city and whatever yeah. it is so I had actually got a year's contract with the Royal Opera House so I had joined their tailoring team October 20. 20- 19 I think mm-hmm. around yeah. then and yep amazing absolutely loved it again what they do is just absolutely high quality stuff I was learning how to make stuff for opera and ballet which again throws in different techniques and challenges but then obviously the coronavirus hit um <laughs> so went straight into furlough and then theatre was absolutely decimated and still is so yeah. which is really sad I think sad. so and obviously I knew that I had as soon as I went on furlough in the March, I was like, the possibility of me going back before my contract finishes is very, very slim. So I was like, right, what do I have to do? Where am I going? What's my job? And it's not fun to have to reevaluate your whole yeah. life and career plan. No, won't lie. But yeah, so I got in touch with basically everyone that I could think that might possibly give me a job. So costume supervisors that I knew, other people that I had worked with before. And luckily, one person who I, I gave her a bottle of wine as a thank you, but I feel like I need to give her more than a bottle of wine. Um, she passed on, she says, yeah, yeah, um, I, I know a few more people in film and TV, pass us your CV, and if I hear of anything, I'll, I'll pass it on sort of thing. And then luckily, the team that I'm working for at the minute, they were looking for a tailor, and my friend had passed it on, and yeah that's just how it worked yeah. they text me saying are you available and I was like yep I'm as free as a bird in this part of life that I live yeah. <laughs> so yeah and it's been it's been fantastic the move across as I said it was a move that I wanted to do anyway but this is it's just come at a very necessary point so yeah it's great and it's again it's a whole other kettle of fish like film and tv it's so much bigger than theatre <laughs> I was listening to I, I was listening to a podcast with um, David Levy from Schitt's Creek and he was actually saying that when he was making TV in Kansa for for Schitt's Creek that it was really nice it was intimate because everyone had a say and whatever and then when you come on to like an American TV program it's like this machine that's just working constantly and you're a smaller cog in the bigger machine and this project that I'm on is is got influence from America and you can you can tell that it's just it's massive um, yeah. But again, it's just for me working in that environment, it's so, so good. You must be learning like loads, like being on such a big production as well. You are. Yeah, I think, again, the standards are just raised so, so much. Um, everything has to be perfect. And with film and TV, when you're making a costume, you're absolutely out of control of what actually gets seen on, on screen. And it can come down to the minute detail. So everything you're making has to be just spot on even down to um i noticed there was a quote i was making a few weeks ago and i managed to see it on screen and it was like the inside of the sleeve lining the actor had lifted his his arm up and you seen straight in there 
And I was like, oh my God, that's not done properly. <laughs> because you just don't think. Like mm. when I was making making it up, I thought, oh, well, you'll never, you will never see the inside of this sleeve. Yeah. And, and of course and on a stage, you would the... never see that on a stage, would you? But on... No, this yeah. is the thing. It's been so, so interesting for me to go from theatre to film and TV because you're concerned with completely different things. Like I remember at the RSC, we were always worried about hemlines. Mm because I don't know if you've ever been there but it's a um, stage and where the audience audience sit around the stage Mm. and the audience in the stalls are basically at eye line of all hems of like dresses and trousers and robes and things like that so I remember we were quite concerned about hems I don't care about him now. I'm more worried. <laughs> I'm more worried about every like everything else that's going on. So, yeah, the cameras just pick up everything. So, yeah, it's been it's been quite a change. And you do have to change the way the techniques that you use and the way that you make things um, and tailor stuff, whether it's for theatre or for film and stuff. So it's been yeah, yeah it's been a huge huge learning curve. Uh, that's a bit. Well, you know, you could actually answer the, my next question was going to be a sort of about the difference between theatre and TV and film, but you'd like you sort of summarise that so perfectly here so thank you <laughs> yeah no it's fine I think yeah it's just there is there is a different like it's funny because when I'm you can sort of see the similarities you know when you see the standbys running around set you're like well that's that's the dressers backstage in the theatre sort of thing yeah you can sort of see the similarities but yeah at the same time it is completely different and it's just a completely different culture as well film is very much right we have to get it done and as, I, I don't know I've never worked on set so I assume they enjoy it some days but whereas <laughs> <laughs> when like when I've worked backstage in theatre there's quite camaraderie and um, everyone is about the show and stuff like that so yeah it's 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 different well David thank you for like t- t- taking us through your like life journey today I really enjoyed listening to that but I just have some sort of more uh, kind of fun quick fiery questions kind of about costume and stuff just if you don't mind answering them so like the first one is it's just sort of like if you could sort of tell us a bit about the specifics of your role uh, in costume, like just so the listeners sort of know exactly, like kind of what you do exactly. I was worried you were going to ask this. Oh, I'm very. Try and <laughs> say it in the most concise, concise way. Thank you. So I, my role, <laughs> so my role is a tailor or costume maker, and I mainly work in workrooms, costume workrooms, where there is an established team setup. So you will have your cutters, and they are the people that take the designs from the designer and work out the patterns and take the measurements from the actor they'll cut it cut the pattern cut the fabric and then it's all given to me and I then make it up and you make it up to different stages of the process so you'll have a fitting fitting stage you'll if you're very very lucky and fortunate you'll have a second fitting and then you obviously finish it off as well so yeah that's kind of the job role description that I have but the thing about costume is you could do so much as a costume maker you could work freelance as well and then you are cutting and making yeah. um, because you're you're sort of taking on commission based. Or you could be doing bespoke wear as well, tailoring suits and things like that. So yeah. Thank you for, for answering that. Just for the you know, just for any listeners that maybe are interested in costume I want to get into, I thought it might be nice though. Well the next my next question is, do you have a favorite stage show costume wise? Like is there anything you've seen recently that you that you really loved? I mean, obviously not in the last year because theatre isn't really open, but I was going to say it's so hard <laughs> yeah. because I can't remember. Um I think the last the last big thing I went to see, it was the Follies at the National and it was whole 
I'm sure it was 1920s. <laughs> God, embarrassing. <laughs> Costume and full on extravaganza. And it's just, it's so nice when you can tell that production have actually allowed costume to, you know, they've actually given them a budget and given them the time and energy to do what costume does best. So it's, and I think it's actually, it's quite interesting at the minute because I think costumes becoming more and more about it's there's bigger conversations happening i think more and more recently like especially on television like the, the queen's gambit recently oh, on netflix so and good. um ratchet there's so much recently that and of it you can't not talk about game of thrones costumes mm-hmm. they've just i think opened up costume as a and, and the crown as well god yeah, yeah. there's more than what i thought just opened up costume as a conversation point so which is really good. It's good, and it it means that people are actually interested in what you do. So, um, yeah, I have to say it's not as glamorous. Everyone seems to think, "Oh, you work in costume. That must be like really glamorous." It's really not. <laughs> when you're, you know, altering a pair of trousers that have just come off an actor, like, no, it's it's not that glamorous. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah. No, I think in in general, like we all sort of think this this industry is very glamorous. Like, I mean, when I was work, I was telling you before that I was working on a BFI short a few weeks ago. And like at one point I was holding two umbrellas and getting soaked while keeping other actors dry. And I was thinking in my head, like yeah. this, you know, my grand thinks I'm working on a big TV show or something. This isn't, you know, she thinks, oh, this is so glamorous. It's not really at all. <laughs> it's really not. It's names and whatever else. It's really not a glamorous job when you get down to, <laughs> down to it. <laughs> but again, you sort of um, answered my next question, which was sort of going to be about costumes and film and TV. But like, I, I find that really interesting. You know, very, it's very true. I've noticed it myself that like these things have opened up a conversation because I mean, I've never really, I sort of feel like I'm more aware of costume now and I think about, oh, the costume was cool. Like, do you know what I mean? So definitely has. Yeah, I, th- I think it has been things like Game of Thrones because there was such a huge following around it that I think, to be to be honest, I think producers have realised, oh, there's maybe a bit of money and publicity to be made around <laughs> this costume. So that's probably why the, the actual reason. But yeah, it's it's good. It, it, it is good because I think, I don't know, maybe there, there has been conversations, but as I said, I've not been aware of it. And I think it's been more so friends that I speak to that have no involvement in like mm-hmm. the performance industry have actually said, oh, for the first time I really looked at the costumes like in Ratchet and said it really made a difference to yeah. actually watching it. And I'm like, well, that's that's what it should be done. And again, I think it's just given the costume team the time and money that it actually deserves. I think as well, I, I seem, I'm talking about Dan Levy and Shit's Creek, but um, he, I watched the documentary. I love that show. I'm not I need to watch it. It's been on my um, list for ages. I really want to see oh, it. Oh, just, yeah. I, I cannot recommend it enough. But they did like a documentary after the last one. And Dan Levy really, as the creator, wanted to give the costume department the time that it yeah. needed and the resources. And when you're watching it, you can clearly tell that they've made an effort to on budget and just in terms of concepts and design, and aesthetics to just do what needs to be done because it was it was contemporary TV program and it would have been quite easy to strip back the budget and yeah, sort of just yeah. try try and do designer clothes but like from next <laughs> and then it, it was just interesting when you see the documentary because they get people talking from I think Vogue and you know different fashion companies and they say when they were watching it oh yeah they're trying to do say Alexander McQueen. And then you're like, oh my God, no, that that is Alexander McQueen. And it just adds so much to the characters and the characterization, which I think is one of the most important things about costume. Absolutely. So yeah, I think producers are actually saying, oh no, we do need to give them 
more time and money. Doesn't necessarily work out on every production, <laughs> but yeah. No, that's that's great to hear, and that's interesting as well. And um, hopefully, it leads to more and more um, people getting into costume as well, um, which would be great. Yes, we need more tailors. There are not enough tailors. <laughs> um, yes, I'm yeah. always championing tailors and costumes. There are people here from the government. Maybe it's crazy. People are just like taking our stuff. Leave your finances to me, said son of a bitch. There's a very small amount set aside for you. And one asset the government has allowed you to retain. The kids. The children are dependents, Moira. Uh, well, th this is the sort of last of the quickfire questions, David. Thanks very much for answering them. I just sort of wondered, do you have any, is there any costume designers, costume tailors, costume makers that, that you, in the industry that you really look up to that have been a big influence on you? I think like when I was first starting to get interested in costume, I was obs like obsessed with um, Colleen Atwood's work and everything that she did for um, like the Tim Burton films. So the Alice in Wonderland, the oh, Tim yeah, Burton wow. did, and Very the Sweeney Todd. I was just absolutely obsessed with them. I think again, just because I thought, oh, this is something different. So her work is amazing. And of course she does all the Fantastic Beasts now as well. And has always been in an A game. The other film that I was obsessed with was um, Elizabeth and um, the Golden Age, you know, the one with Kate Blanchett. Um, yeah, yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. I was obsessed. I mean, there's no wonder I'm a bit different, but um, yeah, what, 14, 15 year old sits and watches that every night for a couple of months. But yeah, the costumes on that, I think, were designed by Alexandra Byrne, I think, if that's right. So yeah, and she, again, she's just phenomenal at what she does. My favourite is the. I mean, I love Wes Anderson films oh, um, and the Grand Budapest Hotel and the Dargy Limited are just amazing. Mm. And I think it was Milena. Cananero, Milena Cananero, that designed them. And yeah, her work, when you look back, she's just fantastic because she did the um, Marie Antoinette with Sofia Capella mm -hmm. as well. Um, and yeah, it's just, yeah, her work's phenomenal. And I just, I think for me, it's just the one thing I always say about costume design, as long as there is a world that you can get transported into, it doesn't matter if, if you're doing historically, historical film or a modern film, it doesn't particularly if it's a period film it doesn't actually have to be historically accurate as long as you are sucked into this world and this aesthetic that you can believe in I think that's the most important so for me I think that was like as I said when I, I was obsessed with Alice in Wonderland and Sweeney Todd I think that was where I was transported and um, that yeah. Colleen Atwood had managed to do along with all the other designers on it so um yeah no I loved what I love that uh, way of looking at it actually I've never thought about it like that that's so true that's that's so true actually so yeah, I really like that. Well, David, it's been like really fun talking. Just got a couple of questions. Sorry, just before I go to the last sort of two questions of the podcast, I just wondered, like, what is the sort of, and this is a really hard question, and I don't know the answer to this or when I, if I had to answer it, but like, what is the sort of dream for you to like end up in costume? Is like, do you have like a, a sort of goal where you want to get to? I mean, apart from the fact that I'm actually do my job, which is a dream, I, I still yeah. can't believe that I'm like this is an actual job. Like this is exactly. Well, I mean, you're doing very <laughs> um, well. I so anyway, yeah. yeah. I think anything from here is <laughs> is good. But there's a few things. I think it's more specifics. Like I would yeah. love to work on a film. I would like to maybe work with this designer or that designer. Certainly in terms of my career, I want to move up to cutting and um, where you're working more with, with the designer one-on-one. -on -one. Not that you don't do that at the minute anyway. But yeah, for me, I'm more on the natural making Safe the yeah. costumes i'm not an actual designer i can do it but it's not it's not my specialty and yeah. um, so 
I don't see myself ever as a designer, which I think as well is quite interesting about costume because everyone sort of lures costume, the, the role as costume designer as the be all and end of it. But no one realises that there's other facets that you can go into sort of thing when it's just costume, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I would definitely be staying on the tailoring and the making side of it. But yeah, I think just... To work on different things, I get total job envy at the minute. Um, I get, I've had a couple of job offers through and I'm like, oh, I can't work on that, but that sounds really fun. So yeah, as long as it's fun and interesting, then I'm sure I'll be happy. No, that's really interesting. And I also love the thing you said about like uh, how costume designers not the be all and end all and there's other because it's great for the listeners to hear about all the different aspects of it. There is honestly loads. And I think, again, because it's, just, it's not a normal job, no one understands, but yeah you could go into making you can go into supervising you can go into designing you could then go off and do prop making or prop costumes Mm. or a bespoke tailoring you've got friends from uni that are in Savile Row as well as film and tv theatre as you said commercials like (laughs) literally it is just you can I can go on and on like breakdown artists as well there's actually a job where you take costumes and you break it down with cheese graters (laughs) and a lot a lot more technical stuff than just cheese graters and make it look worn and torn like that's an actual job it's just yeah. kind of bonkers but yeah there's just so much so much to do within costume just get a real job. Well, well speaking of jobs there david this segues us nicely into my next question which we we'll ask everyone um, and that is like what's the sort of worst part-time job you'd ever had to work quite worried about this because i was listed was it jasmine that was on the other week mm. and i was like i am never going to compare to her yeah, I already, I already told, I already told her. I said, "Jasmine, when you'd won this question, I'm afraid." So yeah, I'm like, I'm a bit dull on that front because I don't, I didn't, I've never really done a lot of part-time work. I temped in an office for a week over a summer once, and I wasn't very good. It was only for a week. I didn't get sat, <laughs> but um, on my first day, I couldn't even work out the phone because I forgot that you had to press nine to dial out. So I left this really convoluted message to the office manager saying, "You might want to check with BT." I've uh, you know <laughs> page bells basically and um, then I got a note the next day saying try pressing nine I was like oh okay um so and then other than that I worked for a, a resale shop in uh, Strathmiglo in Fife for mm-hmm. a good number of years which I just loved but yeah the, the worst thing about that was I was hungover most Saturdays or Sundays <laughs> when I worked so <laughs> yeah yeah. To be fair, like not everyone has had a bad part-time job. That's a good thing. The sort of reason we ask this question is just to sort of make people feel better that we'd all had to sort of work jobs we maybe didn't love. So, yeah. But it's great that I you think, haven't had to do that. I've just had a flashback, actually. The worst work experience I did, it was one of those, it was the first work experience I did. And it was when, you know, in our third, was it at the end of our third years, you had to do like two weeks of work experience. Yeah. Of work experience. Yeah. yeah, which was ridiculous because you were going through the options and it was like, well, nothing is relevant. And at that time... I think I, I it was, well, it was a kitchen assistant. I actually got a kitchen assistant role. Who, I'm not going to be a chef. <laughs> but I remember I had walked in and one, the, she, the, the head chef didn't know I was coming that week. And I'm pretty sure he was hungover as well. So it was off to a great start. And then he says, oh, could you just cut up this melon? So here I go. I just cut the melon in half. And I think, right, I'll start to quarter it and slice it up. And then he just looks at me and he's like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm cutting the melon. And he's like, well, that's not how you cut a melon. And then just grabbed the melon off me. And I was like, oh, okay. And then just ignored me for the rest of the day. I was like, <laughs> okay, this is a bit mad. And still to this day, I don't know what the proper way of cutting a melon is. So there you um, go. yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, well, as long as you know, yeah, it's not going to affect your life too much, I don't think. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I just not, it doesn't come up every day at work. Yeah. How would you cut a melon? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, David, I just have one more question for you. But first, I just want to say thank you so much for speaking to us. I know this is your day off. I really appreciate it. It's great to speak to people who are so passionate about what they do. This I love doing this. And it's, I mean, I don't know a lot about yeah. costumes, so I feel like I've learned a lot as well. So thank you for all your yeah, uh, sharing everything. Honestly, it's no trouble. It's, as you said, like not many people know about costume and I can go, yeah, if you really got me started, <laughs> I could go on and on and on about it. I remember I went to my, my cousin's wedding and there was someone sitting next to me who, she, I think she was a, an actress or a dancer. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> we, we just got chatting about what we were doing. And obviously love of theatre, we just were like gibbering away, like too excited school kids and then eventually once the conversation had died I turned around to my cousin who was sitting next and she was like you don't shut up about theatre or costume do you I was like no no I don't so <laughs> but yeah no it's always good to chat about it and promote costume so I'm glad well the sort of last question is and you'd given a great advice throughout this but it was just sort of um if you could summarize for anyone who maybe is interested in getting into costume or just the creative industries in general like what your advice would be to them I want to say just do it, but apparently everyone says oh just do it. Oh my God, yeah, so. everyone says every week, but it's still so true, so. <laughs> yeah, um, so I'll be a bit more specific than just do it. <laughs> I think certainly what's worked for me is getting out there as soon as you have any inkling that you wanted to do it. Like for me, just getting out and getting work experience, it, it got me to where I was and it doesn't matter how small or big it is. As I said, I started, I think starting on local panto is the best way anyone can start yeah. in all honesty. And also the worst that anyone can say is no. So just email people, write letters to people and just say, look, can I have a chance to just come in, shadow, is, if you've got any work? And yeah, if they say no, then again, that's their loss. Um, <laughs> but yeah, get out and get work experience. Or if there's nothing coming up, make an opportunity with your friends. Like if I know that when I first graduated and one of my designer friends, they wanted to do something, I was like, yeah, I'll make that for you on the side. Um, yeah. And it was a little portfolio piece. But yeah, so make opportunities as well. And then I suppose networking, it's kind of key but that goes back to sort of getting work experience you know make as much contacts as you can and then it worked for me when I was out and down on where I was going with jobs yeah. it's just a case of a quick message to people that you know and it all just leads on on from that so because it is kind of scary how yeah everyone knows each other in this industry so um, it's very much about yeah. that and then just enjoy it absolutely absolutely and i think it's clear you clearly enjoy what you do as well david so thank you for your time and thanks for sharing everything with us really appreciate it no worries not a problem at all thank you for listening to today's episode of just get a real job i'd like to thank david as well for coming on and chatting to us i really appreciate his time it was really interesting for me to learn about costume and i hope it was for you guys as well if you want to find out a bit more about david there is a link to his instagram in the show notes there's also a link to screen skills with some information about how to get into costume so if you're interested in that make sure to check that out as well as always if you're enjoying the podcast there are a few things you can do to help us and um, one of them is by donating to our patreon page which is in the show notes as well and basically we have not got a lot of money so in order for us to do this podcast we have to spend money on on it and stuff but the patreon allows us to invest in the podcast so so far from the patreon i've been able to pay for podbean i've also been able to buy like a nice webcam for having better conversations so the guests can see me night and you know see a better picture etc so it's been amazing and the patreon has been really helpful so far but we if you yeah so if we can sort of raise a bit more money from the patreon we can do more amazing things and obviously i appreciate it's a very difficult time 
so not everyone has a lot of money but if you can afford to even donate a pound a month to the patreon we'd be very very grateful for that and another thing you can do is just word of mouth keep telling people to listen keep telling friends to listen shares on social media all that stuff goes a long way in helping us continue to grow this podcast anyway we'll be back again next week with another episode of just get a real job but until then stay safe just get a real job